This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome back this week to the Pants Party. Tonight I will be hosting I Am Sorry. I am Ben and uh, I am a for the former managing editor of Blackheart Gold Pants. Uh, joined tonight, as usual, with Harrison. Uh, Harrison, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. It's a Sunday night. Heading out later this week, so looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and now, to his left, we are joined by uh, my loyal uh, former co-editor, Max Brecky. How are you doing tonight, Max? Uh, I was doing great because I had been day drinking. And now I'm doing even better because I got Poncheros. All right, so we got a tuned-up Max, belly full of beer and Poncheros. I think we all know the feeling. Uh, and you know that feeling, you can, uh, I'm jealous of Max because I'm pretty hungry right now. I haven't had dinner yet. Uh, so I miss that feeling, but I think right now we're feeling the same thing, and that's just Hawkeye football in the air. Uh, we just had Iowa Football Media Days, which is always a, a fun time of fake news, and um, we're going to talk about that a little bit today, and um, <laughs> that's basically it. Uh, so I want to start really just by saying um, I didn't really see any great news of consequence come out of the Iowa football media day cycle. Not that there really does, but this year in particular, there was just absolutely nothing. Uh, it seemed like uh, people were sort of grasping at straws. We got a lot of really nice pieces on Tristan Wirfs and uh, Dallas Jacobus, um, but really oh, don't anything. This, and no, uh, and then then I was going to then the main storylines all revolved around a guy who probably won't even play this year, and that's Oliver Martin. And um, the most interesting, and we can talk about that coverage later, but I just want to ask you, Harrison, if you saw anything that really stuck out to you at all. No. I mean, I think maybe the one tidbit that stuck out was in Chad Leistakow's, like, 10 items article. He said that Torn Young looked like a number one back. Um, but we've, we've been here before, right? Where, especially with this cadre of running backs where they've had one person look or sound like the number one back, but it never really translated. I think there's probably a little better history with Young, um, so maybe he's able to do it. I still think that Sargent's kind of the guy I'm looking at, um, especially when we get to kind of the the highlight reels, um, what we see. He's a little shiftier, um, good size, but Torn Young, obviously, he's hearing that there is kind of a number one back to me was kind of the the biggest thing of consequence going into uh, 2019. 
Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't use Chad Light. That was the one story, one reporter who I didn't read, not for any reason in particular, but I didn't read his recap, um, and I didn't know that about Torn Young. Had you, have, I mean, I, I would have thought going into the season, 70% of the carries would have gone to Makai Sargent, and maybe that was, that's how it'll shake up. Um, but I just don't really see any reason for it. I'd like to see some more carries from Torin Young, and then I'd kinda don't, I'm kind of done with Ivory Kelly Martin. But uh, I think Makai Sargent will be the guy, and I, I'm, surpri- I'll, I'm surprised to see and hear that you know, they think uh, they're going to start, uh, start giving Torin Young starting duties because I feel like they didn't trust him at all last year. I think he should have played more. Uh, so that, that, that's a little weird to hear, I think. Yeah, and that was super weird last year too, because you know, like people, people had yeah, you know, he, they had been hyped up. We were gonna have this trio of running backs, and then was it the first game even where he just didn't get any playing time till the second half, where he just proceeded to rip off. I think like that's a, right. Yeah, he proceeded to rip off like a fifteen and a forty yard run or something crazy like that, and then after that, we didn't hear from him again until like the second half of the Iowa State game. It kind of yeah, reminded. Sorry, uh, kind of remind me of like the way Wisconsin used John Clay at times, but like the way 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 worse at it. <laughs> um, <'cause>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I remember Brett was he always was taking shit for not playing Clay enough in the first half, and then he would go and uh, very first play of the next of the second half, he just John Clay would just rip something off. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't. I don't know how much I really trust any of these running backs right now. Like, I, I think Makai Sargent for sure. I mean, he's a great – I mean, he's the receiving back, I think, out of the trio. He's also the one that can block. So I think he's just going to get the majority of snaps just because of those two things, you know, in, in and of itself. He'll probably end up being – like, I think that you guys said 70% of the carries. I'd say 70% of the snaps, but I think that you'll prob- we'll probably end up seeing uh, like yeah. a – like, I think we'll probably end up That's seeing like a – you know, like – uh, 60, 20, 20, maybe like a 50, 25, 25 kind of thing. But we probably haven't seen a running back at 70% of the carries since like Mark Wiseman. <laughs> Honestly. God, God bless. Right. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, it's high numbers. 70% of the snaps makes, uh, more sense than 70% of the carries. Um, Harrison, did you have anything else you want to say? No, I, I guess just with the running backs, I just kind of want to see it against a defense that isn't Iowa's. Um, it was interesting to hear that it was pretty balanced. I think that was a, a Scott Dockerman tweet. And then um, the Leistakow article, he did kind of aggregate um, stats. And the one that really sticks out to me is Spencer Petrus going 18-25, to 25, uh, 200 yards-ish. I mean, against reserve defenses, but... Um, Seeing that he's making a little bit of a move as redshirt freshman, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting how quarterback plays out in the lead up to 2020, and even in, in the instance that Nate Stanley uh, gets injured, what what happens um, if something like that were to happen in uh, 2019? So, I guess those are kind of the three things for me. Kind of piggying back or picking piggybacking. Oh, <laughs> piggybacking off of uh, what you kind of just said about the quarterback situation. I It's not an issue because, obviously, this is Nate Stanley's job. He's a third-year starter. I heard of so many things about him being inaccurate and unimpressive and people complaining about it again, and it's just, I just wanted to say, shut up. Just shut <laughs> up. <laughs> it's He hasn't done anything to prove that he's not the number one guy. He's 
he's the number one guy until proven otherwise. And it's just like, yeah, he's last year he had a bad, I think, spring game, uh, bad, uh, you know, initial practices where everybody got to watch him play, and I guess he did again this year, and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Shut up. All right, we're that's fine. It. We are that's fine. It. The official podcast of being fine. Uh, the, the 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 one thing I wanted to pick up from the coverage that I think was the main thing we want to talk about here today is um, somebody wrote uh, the, uh, there are a bunch of eerie parallels between the 2019 and 2010 team, um, and I just I think in Harrison I simply do not agree with it really. Um, the the article talks about how I was returning. Uh, you know, all the stellar defensive line, same like 2010, when actually that's not really true. I lost two starting defensive linemen um, on like four. 2010. Oh, yeah, four. Four, uh, but two to, the, <laughs> two to the NFL, sorry. Right. Um, which, yeah, which is absolutely nuts. And then the, I think the expectations were way higher going into 2010 than they are yeah, this year. Like, at, like it's, not even, it's not even comparable. Um the offensive line, I can't really recall. The 2010 offensive line was full. That had Riley Reef and Belaga, right? Or just Reef? Oh, I don't know. I think it was that kind was of a spotty a, line. Let me check. It was, was def- a long time ago. It was definitely Reef, and Vandervelde was still on it too, I think. Um, and maybe and Matt Tobin on it too. So there was three NFL offensive linemen on that line, uh, which I guess is – to the point um really more than anything i just can't disagree i think the season i i i can't disagree with this more really i just think uh 2010s out of all the years to pick to compare this one to i think 2020 2010s not the best and obviously yeah. hindsight will be 2020 but uh i think right now this misses the mark i think the uh, the way he's framing it, though, uh, is that it's looking at it from a overall talent perspective against the schedule that faces Iowa. Because I, I think, like you said, Ben, you kind of do an accounting of position group by position group, and there are huge things missing, right? Like, I mean, Marvin McNutt and DJK were two of maybe the three best wide receivers that Kirk Ferentz has ever had. Um Maybe the best too. I mean, they have they had those records. Uh, I think on quite like I think yeah, kind of unquestionably the best the one and two. And so so I mean I get I, that just kind of falls flat. And then to your point, like I, I have very high expectations for Epinesa, but you know we also need to see it on a down by down basis, right? Like I mean, if he can get seventy to seventy five percent of the snaps, um, and, and still put up numbers you know kind of in line on a per snap level i mean i think that that'll be elite um and then even like you look at the the defensive backfield i mean stone's still there but in 2010 both uh sash and greenwood were still around like it just to your point it really all kind of falls flat for me um and, and i think we can maybe get into what years we actually think it sets up to but it just doesn't seem like it's 2010 because there's just not the same trajectory to your point. Um, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a weird proactive setting of, Hey guys, this team could still be 
really good but not get the wins to follow. I, I just thought that was a little weird. Yeah, uh, I think if we're going to pick out seasons that this one is supposed to be compared to most closely, you got to look at last year, honestly. Uh, it's sort of, maybe we have a, returning, a quarterback returning, uh, uh, returning uh, to start once again, and uh, hopefully this third year will be a lot better than Stanley's second. And then, um, like 2010, it was basically Big Ten uh, champions are bust. Whereas this, it's like, all right, if we can squeak by, uh, I mean, as, as long as we can in the West, if we can squeak by Michigan and then steal steal one from Wisconsin, like, we'll be in the driver's seat and that'll be great. But, like, it was undefeated or bust. And that was my first year at Iowa. And uh, watching that Arizona game in my dorm room was the most demoralizing thing ever as my fucking first kick in the nuts in a long line of them as a Hawkeye fan. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, like if and if I were were to lose to, uh, I mean I don't know I, I wouldn't be nearly as demoralized probably. He's saying this now as as I felt against Arizona because it just felt like right there that was the season when we lost to Arizona and that was the second game of the year. Whereas second game of the year is Iowa State this year we lose to them, you know it's it just feels a lot less and it's a lot more inconsequential. Yeah, I think with me the the, I yeah I, I think there's just a lot level. The level setting of the Iowa State game as like kind of the non-conference barometer. I don't think there's necessarily the concern if Iowa loses. I think if it were tilted severely one direction or the other, I think it would really shift the. Um, overall expectations of the team, but I think at least as I look at look at it, I've kind of done this before, either within the comments or I think the article I wrote, like to me, I think it's ultimately, you break it into kind of four, or excuse me, three tiers of four games being, hey, what are the rivalry games look like? Can they go three and one there? The other Big Ten games where it's Michigan, Penn State, Purdue, Northwestern, can they split those? And then can they go four and oh, against the four worst teams that they play on their schedule, we would think looking at it. And, and I think that that nine and three, you know, that sets them up really pretty well for going into where they might slot in terms of um, uh, getting into the championship game, especially if they lose to Iowa State as the one of four rivalry trophy games. I think the other thing, too, for my point saying uh, this this season resembles last season most similarly is just because uh, the, the wins number, too, going back, I had said at the beginning of last season that anything fewer than 10 wins for Iowa this that last year would be a disappointment, and Iowa ended with nine wins, and I think everybody would agree last year was an incredibly disappointing year. And I think 10 wins is that number again this year with or without a bowl. You know, if we have 10 wins... Uh, in the regular season or with the bowl game, I'm happy. I just want 10 wins, and I think that's achievable this year. It's a little bit tougher, but this team should be better. And uh, I'm sticking with that number, I think, as 10 being uh, you know, my barometer of success. Not for you? Uh, 
we we know that I'm not as high on this team as other people. I know that we've talked about it at will, and every single week I come back and I'm the piece of shit asshole who comes in and says, I don't know, guys. Uh, I think this is going to be a really good team, but I think last year's team was better. I think that this year's team is not nearly as good as last year's team. The last year's team did leave a lot on the table for sure. So, you know, last year we could say, we could, you know, sit here till we're blue in the face and we could talk about how they should have won the game against Penn State and they should have won the game against Northwestern and they probably should have. So it's just hard for me to say that with a tougher schedule or on paper, you know, looking at it right now, that this team, you know, should win 10 games just because, you know, there's going to be a slip up. Maybe they're going to win a game that they shouldn't, but. It's just hard for me to, you know, sit here and be, think that for me the expectations are as high as they were, you know, because I think that this is probably more of a 2016 going into 17 than a, uh, you know, than like a 2009 to 2010. So I agree that the expectations are being kind of set a little high there, just because this team I don't think is anywhere near as good as the 2010 team was, you know, but. Uh, I'm just kind of spitballing. I don't know. I don't know. I just I know that I'm just not nearly as high on this team looking at the schedule early on as others. Yeah, I think you know I think that's fair. Um, I, I always come back to like I always never had like the elite talent that they have this year. And to your <clears> point, <throat> and I think even Ben's point too is like look at last year. Like there was an even higher like concentration of elite talent last year. And with a favorable schedule, they kind of, I mean, they, they, they pooped the bed a little bit, right? So I sure. think that's that's why I think in terms of posts or comparisons for past Kirk seasons, to me, this one looks like 2008 going into 2009. And I think you can frame up, um, you know, losing Sean Green in the same way that Iowa lost Hawkinson and Fant can, you know, people rally around that I think the offense should be better than that 2019 I I have really high expectations for the defense but to your point Max like it's it's largely based on potential and just trusting yeah it's trusting oh Phil Parker is gonna figure out the secondary um even though you know the the, the Athlon uh quotes are like oh you can always get mess matches on the edge thanks Jeff Brom um so I <laughs> you know it's it, it it's interesting to me because I do think that talent-wise, this is as almost as high as it's ever been. But I just I think that if you hold it to uh, the schedule as kind of an excuse, I think it it doesn't shift the blame appropriately to the people who are paid to do this, the people who could kind of frame the game-to-game mindset, the minute-to-minute management. I think it it just it gives it an out. So it, to, to me, to see a, a post written that's talking about, hey, this team does have the talent of 2010, but we saw what that happened before. It's like, should, should that be, I don't know, it's just a little de- dispiriting to, to read something like that early, which I think might be Ben's ultimate point, e- even if it is a little kind of misguided in terms of the... the the specificities of the parallels because I think the overarching parallel is there. 
I just can't wait for the football season to start. I just don't, I just don't want to talk about all of this off-season bullshit anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about what could be. Let's just talk about what's happening. Uh, well, we did actually get news. Didn't we hear that Rastetter's out for the season? No, no it's uh, Grisandi. Grisandi. Yeah, same, same. Okay, so that, uh, that is happening right now, Max. Breaking news. You're right. Uh, <laughs> So in Michael Sleep Dalton we trust. Yeah, even though I guess oh it's God. still a freaking battle. Like it I mean, come on, it, it can't it, really be a battle, can it? Did he did he punt at all? Did people see him? Yeah, he did. Um, and, and how was it? Doesn't sound like it was great. Yeah, no. In, in the Lysacow article, he does say that uh, Michael Sleep Dalton, yeah, Sleep Dalton launched one beauty of 51 yards that stops dead at the one-yard line. So, um... Oh, oh. well. That's okay, it. Come on. Yeah. How can that be a competition? Uh, Grisandi <laughs> can't get it 40 yards. Or Rastetter can't get it 40 yards, so... Yeah, that was also something else, is LeVar Woods, apparently he was saying they're trying to get Rastetter to punt traditionally a little more, which is kind of interesting. Um, Isn't Michael yeah. Sleep Dalton a rugby punter? He's a little bit of both, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I, we'll see. I just don't get that. I don't get that at all. Because he wasn't good at that last year. From my... I mean, maybe I'm just misremembering. He wasn't good at that well, I just... I mean, out of, I mean, out of the two... like sorry. Out of the two options for rugby style or traditional style, I thought that he was better at rugby than traditional. I thought he was, too. Yeah. I mean, at least that's what I remember in my mind, but this was also something I tried to forget, so... Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I mean, he tried to... Once he got scouted, it went down. Um, I looked at these earlier, but, like, through seven games, Radstetter had kind of a pretty good um, uh, punting average. Punting average, yeah. A, a little above 40. Um, but then, I think it started Teams with... started running up on the punts and catching them before they bounced. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly what happened the year before. <laughs> yep. Yep. yep, yep. That'll happen. Hate to see uh, it. Because, yeah, against Maryland, and Maryland was win-aided, too. He averaged yeah. 46.5, and then he topped out at 38.8 against Illinois. So, um... He had a very good game against Maryland. I've often said it. I, I don't remember. So, we'll see. I mean, he's going to have to... 38.9 yards of punt really just doesn't cut it. I mean, I think we, no. we've talked no. about it before, and it's like I, there's no way that this Sleep Dalton's going to be like 48.9, but there can, can Sleep Dalton be 44, 45? I don't, I don't even necessarily think he needs to be that. I just think he needs to be consistent because the thing with Rastetter is that he'd boom some, like he, Sunday he had rolled to like 55, 60 yards, something like that. And I mean, but they rolled that. And then he'd have other ones that were like 30-something yards. And that's that's the issue. Is It's just so inconsistent. Like, if he can just average like 42 yards per punt and be consistent with it, great. That's fine. It's average. Yeah, Max, I think that <laughs> as and we lose Ben again, I, I think your point's really good because I, I was having this conversation with a friend this weekend, and 
it was in frame of reference to like what would be a good um, uh, scoring average for Iowa, and, and I kind of came to the conclusion as I have before that. Um, Welcome back. I accidentally hung up. Ah. <laughs> it's nice of did. I thought I ate the whole thing, but I didn't. But I came to the conclusion that, like, would Kirk Ferentz just prefer an offense that scored exactly 28 points every single game? Yes. So, like, translating that to punting and your consistency, like, I think if you could guarantee 42 yards every single time, he would take that. So I'm going fucking literally. I'm going back and looking at punting averages, and Ron Kaluzzi was only at 41. Uh, Dylan Kidd was at 40. He was at 38 the year before that. Cornbath was only at 40. Uh, he was at 37 in 2012. Guthrie Guth- is at 41 in 2011. Now, he was pretty good. Yeah. Donahue was at 45, and he was at 40 the year before. I missed that. So, yeah, if we can just get in 40, I mean, those are all pretty – I mean, those are, you know, if we can just do better, we'll be better. Best year was – Donahue in 2010. Well, we talked about 2010 enough. But I mean, that's actually kind of wild. As you just rattled that off, like we, we yeah, it is. We feel like, oh, I always had good punters before, and it feels like we yeah, have good like... punters with some regularity. But no, not really. I mean, yeah, I, I guess not. I mean, it's a, they're all pretty on par with collegiate average. Like they're very collegiate average punters if you look at the numbers. But the thing with it is that. They're just, it's just an inconsistency problem, and that's what it's been for the better half of a decade. Kaluzi, I think, was pretty consistent. I think that that's probably why we think of him so fondly, is because he didn't have any, or not as many shit punts as, and, you know, he also flipped in the Michigan game. That was pretty cool. But, like, before that, like, I think, I think Kid was pretty solid. I do not have fond memories of the Corn Breath era. But like, I, f- I forgot about the corn bath there. Oh, I, I don't know how it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, forgettable and regrettable. But that's that. Um, the only other thing that I really saw that is kind of worth mentioning about Media Day was uh, John bon- Bonecamp asked Kirk about gambling. And Kirk really gave sort of a non-answer. He said that... Uh, the whole premise is that gambling is going to be legal pretty soon. Uh, sports gambling will be uh, legal to start the season for the first time. And uh, Bowen Camp asked what he thought, parents what he thought about, it. and he really gave a non-answer. And he just talked about how Kirk, no, uh, they uh, he, they educate his players. And I wish maybe he did, but he didn't include it. I wish he would have followed up and asked what that education includes, because uh, I'm curious, like what. What what that entails? Well, how, what do they tell their players about these sports gambling? I'm, that's interesting to me. I yeah, don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to hear that they kind of addressed it. I mean, I guess my guess is that uh, this is. I mean, going back on the wayback machine, this brought down Rick Neuheisel at Washington. Right? He was uh, he played a part in a um, a pool. Like literally, he was in a oh a yeah, it was, uh, pool. it was March Madness pool, right? Yeah, and yeah. he got fired for it. So my guess is the education was, hey, you're do not allowed shit. to do 
anything. Yeah, that must be it. Yeah, that's wild. But, I mean, they need it. Uh, pretty nuts, though. Alrighty. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what else there is worth addressing, as weird as it is, coming out of Media Day. I think that was... Everything, Max. What'd you get at Ponchero's for dinner? Uh, I got a um, I got a burrito with uh, rice and pinto beans and carnitas and queso. I think carnitas is the only acceptable meat at Ponchero's. I mean, that's the only one I think I've ever really gotten. I probably switched it up once or twice, but carnitas has long been the go-to for me. Maybe I'll go get some Mexican tonight for dinner. How long have that they had good. carnitas? As At long least as since I, 2011. Uh, but 2010, that's when I had it. Have I they not I always had I just it? always gotten steak. Like, I remember, maybe maybe I, I'm just got a spotty memory as to how long carnitas has been around. How well, far? Ask your, ask your wife. Well, I mean, literally. Say how long? <laughs> how long has how long have carnitas been around? But but I mean, like at Pancheros, I don't remember that oh, yeah. always being. I remember it being just like three or four things that you could choose. How far is the nearest Pancheros from you, Max? Uh, it's in Fridley, about four point oh. one miles away. Okay, yeah, it's not so bad. No, it's a ten minute drive. There you go. Easy stuff. Dangerous. Uh yeah. Especially been drinking. I did not drive. I am <laughs> <Yeah>. responsible. <laughs> but I did learn all about whiskey plates. Oh, that's right. Uh, the fun, fun Minnesota whiskey plates. Want to talk listeners about those? Yeah, basically, if you've ever gotten a DUI, they put a they give you a very generic black and white license plate, and they put a W at the beginning of it, and that's why they're called whiskey plates. Is the W? So there is a like a scarlet letter. <laughs> uh... There was a teacher at my high school who had those. Uh, big bummer. Oh, Funny story. Oh. <laughs> Funny story about that. Uh, I, I actually don't know who the teacher was, but we had a fire drill, and um, and uh, I was in my econ class, and our econ teacher was the man. He had just moved to Minnesota from New York, and so he had this. Is, we were teaching his first class, first time in Minnesota, so we had the fire drill. <laughs> And uh, we left his class, and he was just hanging out in front of this car with the whiskey plates, leaning on it. And somebody in my class goes up to him and was like, hey, you like to drink? And he's like, uh, maybe. Why? And then he told him about the whiskey plates a wow. um, So it must just be a Minnesota thing. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, I'd never heard of that until I, uh, obviously, until I got up here, or at least until I met somebody from up here. Everything you need to know about whiskey plates. Yeah, it's only Minnesota. Interesting. Kind of Speaking rude. of Scarlet Letter, I had a uh, Scarlet Letter uh, microbrew seltzer from a local brewery here. <laughs> My they goodness. Micro They're Letter. taking our seltzer. They're taking our seltzer. It was pretty good. A, a wide range of flavors. Cucumber. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> how, how does a microbrewery market its seltzer? As a scarlet letter. Uh, it, it, oh, okay. <laughs> actually, uh, Lifts Bridge has a seltzer. 
Does it really? Yeah. Lift Ridge Brewing has a seltzer mm. up here. It's like an apple flavored. I'll never eat it. I'll never drink it. But <laughs> I'll eat it if you uh, yeah. freeze it and then... Uh, yeah, Popsicle. Popsicle. Ooh, I bet that's good. That. Wow. I just yep. thought it was funny that literal Harrison can literally turn anything into a conversation about seltzer water, I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, the world does revolve around water, so... Makes sense. Yep, yep. Great, this was fun. All right, good job, everybody. Uh, Quiet Place is on HBO Movies. Recommend watching that before uh, to help your Sunday scaries. All righty. A nice little good. micropod for us. Yep, uh, signing off. I'm Ben, Fox State. These guys can see themselves out. Yeah, whatever, bye. Go Hawks.